Before we get onto this week's episode, there is something I have been waiting to tell you. I am really excited to share that Motherkind is the official podcast partner for The Baby Show with Lidl GB 2024. It is from Friday the 1st of March to Sunday the 3rd of March at Excel London and I will be there on Saturday the 2nd at 1.30, recording a live podcast with the wonderful Georgia Kasulu talking about everything motherhood. The Baby Show with Little GB is the UK's largest and best loved pregnancy, baby and parenting event. Tickets can be bought online at thebabyshow.co.uk forward slash excel. And if you pop in the code motherkind before Thursday, the 29th of February, you'll get your ticket for only £18, saving you £8 on the door. Please do get yourself a ticket. Come and say hi. I would love to see you there. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Motherkind podcast. This is the show that's going to help you feel more connected, confident and empowered in motherhood. This week it is a solo episode with me, your host Zoe, and this episode I'm going to break down why I am no longer doing self-care, but that I have never felt better. Let's get into it. So I don't know about you, but over the past decade or so, I think that self-care has come to be another thing that we feel like we're failing at. So many of my clients in our community have told me, I feel like it's something I should be doing, but I don't know where to start. I don't have the time or the money and it makes me feel like I'm failing. So let me just say this loud and clear up front. Self-care should not be another thing that you feel that you're failing at or you think that you should be doing or another thing on that never ending to-do list that you can't get to. And I think this is because self-care has become synonymous with two things that often mothers just don't have or are very short of, and that's time and money. Over the past decade, self-care has really become commoditized in marketing as things that we do with our outer selves. So you'll see nail polishes marketed as a moment of self-care. You'll see bubble bath marketed and packaged up as a moment of self-care. You'll see people say, I'm going to get my hair done. I'm doing my self-care or I'm buying a new candle. It's a moment of self-care. And listen, don't get me wrong. I love all of those things. Who doesn't love a new candle or a bubble bath? But I don't think those things even touch the sides when we think about the resilience and the energy that we need day in, day out in motherhood. And I think because we don't always feel the impact of those things like a bubble bath, we don't often prioritise them. I think if we were doing things that we could feel the difference the next day or the next weeks, it would be much easier to prioritise them. I'm way more interested in how you feel and supporting your internal world. I love asking questions like, how are your energy levels? Do you feel calm? How regulated is your nervous system? Do you feel energised? How are your stress levels? So instead of self-care, I want us to throw that phrase out the window and focus on what I teach, what I have seen working in hundreds upon hundreds of clients, which is energy management. So energy management is kind of the opposite of all the bubble baths and spa days. It's the very thing that enables you to do everything else that you need to do. 
it focuses on how you feel, not on how you look. I think self-care has come to be positioned as like the cherry on top, the thing that we get to do when everything else on our list is done. And energy management is the opposite of that. It is the whole cake. Managing our energy is how we get everything done that we need to get done. You know, I will never forget when Dr. Rick Hansen, who you know, I just love, he's been on the podcast a couple of times. He said to me, the more stressful your life is and the more it's asking of you every day, the more important it is to grow your internal resources like shock absorbers. And I just love that because for me, those shock absorbers are energy levels. We can't carry on if we are exhausted emotionally, physically, spiritually. We just can't keep going. And we also, we only have a set amount of energy every day to get everything done that we need to. So doesn't it just make sense that we should focus on maximising our energy? And if you think about it, when your phone runs out of battery, you just plug it in without even thinking about it. It's not a moral issue whether your phone is worth charging or not. If we want it to work, we have to charge it. So just like our phones run down in battery every day, the stresses and pressures of motherhood are daily. Let's just be real. So we need to balance the scales with daily acts of energy management. I also love that this idea of energy management, it takes the self out of it. I think when we think about self-care, we have to also think about that we're worth caring for self-care. Whereas energy management, it takes that idea that you have to be worth it, that you have to have got to the bottom of your list to do it. This is something that is not a moral issue. Everyone has to manage their energy, especially us mothers with everything that we have to do on a daily basis. So taking care of your energy is a right. It's not a reward for when you've ticked everything off on your to-do list, which also never happens as we all know. And because each of us are different, we can't ask others how to do this. We have to ask ourselves. I'm going to show you how in a moment, exactly how to do that. And that's another problem with self-care, isn't it? We forget the self part of it, that actually it is completely unique to each of us. And I've seen that with clients over the years. You know, what each person needs is completely unique, depending on their setup, depending on their children, depending on the children's ages, depending on whether the children have extra needs, depending on whether they're single, co-parenting. There's just thousands of different things that mean that each of us needs to have a different approach to how we manage our energy. So let me teach you my tool. I call it energy givers and energy drains. It is simple, deceptively so, but I really feel like that is what I'm so passionate about when I teach these mother kind tools is that they have to be simple. If I came at you with a 27-point colour-coded plan, it would just be too much to fit in. So I've worked hard to make this really, really simple and it works. So when we pay close attention to what gives us energy and what drains our energy, it's like making a deposit in your energy account and making less withdrawals. So of course, your energy increases. Now, most people, when they feel exhausted or low on energy, they think about what they should do more of. I need more sleep. I need to eat better. I need to do more exercise. And I think my approach is so powerful because it also invites you to think about what you need to do less. 
So going back to the phone analogy, you know when your phone is running low on battery and you can turn off those apps, it's actually really satisfying, isn't it? You can open all the app windows and you go ping, ping, ping with your phone and you close all the apps. This approach is exactly the same. So we plug into a power source that gives us energy and we close the tabs that are draining our energy. So the first step of this tool is to figure out what is that power source for you? What is it that gives you energy? And what are those apps? What are those tabs that you need to close? What is it that is draining your energy? So when you've finished this episode or pause it now if you want to, and I'm going to invite you to have a think about 10 things that give you energy and 10 things that drain your energy. I'm going to share my list for a bit of inspiration. So my givers are the things that give me energy The first one, top of the list, is putting on an incredible dance track and just having an amazing dance around the kitchen. I am well known for my sober dancing. I love going out. I can dance all night. It gives me so much energy. Listening to music in general just gives me energy. Getting things done on time is an energy giver for me hitting a deadline, just getting admin off my plate. It really energises me and creates momentum. Running gives me energy. I used to hate it. Some days I still do. But generally, if I manage to push myself, and that's not always easy, get out, get the trainers on, go for a run, I always come back with more energy. Doing something out of my comfort zone definitely gives me energy, challenging myself. In fact, one of my biggest drains is feeling bored or not challenged. That depletes my energy really quickly. Organising, cleaning or sorting is such an energy giver for me. You know that feeling where you're like, I'm just going to tackle that cupboard and you get it all tidy, you get it all cleaned out. It's such a good feeling and that gives me loads of energy. Doing little acts of kindness gives me energy, peps me up, makes me feel good. The other day I was baking a lasagna for a friend who's going through a hard time. I dropped it round. I just left it on her doorstep and it felt great. It gave me energy. Journaling definitely gives me energy. There is something about getting my swirling thoughts down onto the page, seeing what I'm dealing with, pulling out any insights, trends, asking myself powerful questions, coaching myself in that way. I find so clarifying and energizing, getting the sun on my face. Sometimes if I've been in my office all day, I'll just stand in the garden and let the warmth of the sun touch my face. And I literally can feel it almost recharging me. I feel like a battery. I love it. And laughing with my girls, nothing gives me more energy than just cracking up over one of my eldest's lame jokes or one of the crazy things that my four-year-old says. Those are my giver list. But as I said, yours will be completely different. It may be that you're thinking, God, Zoe, I do not know what mine is. That is okay. Most of the clients that I take through this process say the same thing. So what we do is for the first couple of weeks or even 10 days, just note down what you're doing if it feel, if it makes you feel good or if you feel drained. So you just become a detective of your own life for 10 days and you will very, very quickly get clear on what your list is.
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stresses, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. And therapy is a space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. Therapy is just an incredible, safe non-judgmental space. I absolutely love it. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule, which I think as busy mums is what we all need. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash motherkind today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash motherkind. to drains. So these are the things that you do and they make you feel heavy, they make you feel tired, they make you feel low energy. My first and biggest one without a doubt, and this is going to be surprising I think, is procrastination. If I don't make a decision or take action and something is sitting in the back of my brain, I can literally feel it draining my energy, bringing me down. Same thing with denial. So if I know deep down that I'm hiding from something that I really need to face and I'm not talking it through with anyone or I'm just pretending to myself that it's not happening or it's not real, that really, really drains my energy. And similar to that is saying that I'm fine when I'm not that is such a drain for me. There's something about not being authentic that makes me feel exhausted. I don't know what it is. I just know from years of evidence that that's true for me. Trying to control others definitely drains me. Wishing that other people were different than how they really are drains the hell out of me. Overthinking and worrying. Is there anything more draining than rumination? worry, unproductive worry, I call it, where we're worrying about something that we actually can't take an action on. That really drains me. Staying indoors all day. This is such a big one for me. I am so passionate about Motherkind. I'm so passionate about growing this platform. I can drop the kids to school and literally not move from my desk until I go and pick them up. Or if my husband Guy goes to pick them up, I cannot leave the house all day. And that is such a drain for me. Same with not drinking enough water. You know, some days I just get at my desk and I forget to go and fill up my water because I get so hyper-focused on what I'm working with. And that is a really big drain. Gossip is another drain for me. And I'm going to be vulnerable and honest here. Sometimes it can feel good in the moment to connect with someone by talking about someone else, but actually it is so bad for me. I feel an instant kind of emotional hangover from that. So that is a real drain for me and a a boundary that I try to maintain is no gossip. I don't talk about someone who's not in the room. Rushing and trying to do too much. Huge one. I'm sure many of you can relate. And comparison on social media. Social media in general. If I am not in a good place, I can find opening that app so draining. So those are my drains. Yours will be completely different, but I cannot overstate how important it is for you to know your list because 
When you know your givers and when you know your drains, you can start to make tiny tweaks. I'm not talking about big changes that can radically change how you feel on the inside. This is not self-care. This is not about hairs, nails, bubble baths. This is about changing how you feel, how stressed, how calm, how energized, how resilient. And that is what we need. So here are some prompts that might help you figure this out. Be that detective. On the givers, I want you to have a think about when do I feel my best? What do I always look forward to? And then on the drains, what do I dread? What do I resist doing? And what do I just feel not good when I am engaging with it? It could be a person, it could be a behaviour, it could be a thought, it could be, it could be anything. I would really encourage you to create your list. Knowing this is arguably one of the most powerful things that you can do because when you've got your list, it is like hitting bullseye every single time because you know what works for you. And that is what's important because every single one of us has a different energy blueprint. So part two is, okay, I've got my lists. How do I make these things happen? We all know how hard change is, right? So how do I make these happen? Well, one of my favourite books is called Atomic Habits. You might know it. It's by James Clear. And he describes how changing a plane's direction by just one degree means it will end up at a totally different destination. So actually, it is those tiny 1% changes that are not only more manageable, which is amazing news, but they will add up to mean over a few weeks or months of making these tiny changes from your givers and drains, you will start to feel completely different. Now, when you've got your list, I reckon some of you, if not all of you, because I see this time and time and time again, want to make all the changes at once and set ourselves crazy goals. I get that. I get why we do that. I do it too. But actually, that isn't how change works. It's kind of unsexy. It's kind of unglamorous. But change works in those tiny little habits. So when I teach clients meditation, for example, I start everyone with two minutes a day. And often people say to me, that just is not going to make a difference. I mean, actually it does. Even 60 seconds of meditation a day can make a difference unbelievably. But it is by starting small that we start to get these new habits to actually stick. It's called habit stacking. So you start small, you get a habit ingrained in your day-to-day life, and then you stack either more of the same habits or different habits on top. And that is the proven way to get change working in your life. I want you to take one thing from that givers list, one thing from your drains list and start as small as you possibly can just for a week and then you can add in more. So another tip from me is that studies show the easiest way to make a habit stick is to link it to something you're already doing. So if you want to do two minutes deep breathing a day, tag it onto something you're already doing that takes two minutes, like waiting for the kettle to boil or for the morning toast to pop up. And that is the way that you can start to build in making these changes based on your givers and your drains. If you mess up, which you will because you're human, just 
keep going. Don't do that thing where you throw your hands in the air and go, I can't do it. And, you know, completely start again. Just keep going and make sure that your list, your givers and drains list is visible because what we see tends to be what gets done. So there you have it. Why self-care doesn't work and what does. You know, we have to manage our energy levels as mothers. And I really hope this episode has helped. Let me know. Let me know what you think. We continue the conversation over on Instagram at zoe.blasky. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. And I will see you next time. Bye.